welcome to the Living in Limbo podcast with your wonderful host, Fanola and Fumbi. Hi. I should have kept quiet and let you say your own name. (laughs) No, I love that. I actually like the fact that you call me out. Call me out, babes. Call me out. (laughs) I hope everyone is doing great and having a wonderful week. This week on our podcast, we are going to be unpacking the topic of identity. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) I feel like this is going to be an interesting episode. Although we're still like young and finding ourselves, like I feel like also being in the thick of finding your identity is what makes us uniquely qualified to discuss this topic. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah, Fumbi, how's your week been? Golly, that's a very, very good question. It hasn't been bad actually. It's been a pretty decent week. We went to go see Tay Eva together on Wednesday. Yeah. Was it Wednesday or Tuesday? It was Tuesday. It wasn't yesterday. It was Tuesday. Yeah. It was Tuesday. Oh gosh. Yeah. It was really, really good. That was fun. That was so really, really fun. good. Good so music. Good. good music. So intimate. That was fun. It was great yeah. seeing you in person as well. I was like, oh, hi, friend. <laughs> Always lovely to see you as well. And yeah, his voice was amazing. Like, like it sounded just like his studio recordings, literally. So Insane. that was an amazing experience. Very small room. Yeah. Very warm as well. It's 30 degrees this week. <laughs> Oh. But hey, who's complaining? Like, not me. Like, I'm me, actually... I'm complaining. Are you? I am complaining. I don't know why Let you guys are like... Because when it was raining, you people were not happy. So, like, pick one. Pick um, one. <laughs> I must caveat, I was not in the country when it was raining. So, okay, that doesn't okay. really count. If it was raining, Lucky I would be happy. You. Because I was just like, yes. At least my fan can retire for some time. Aww. But now, my, fa- my fan runs on overdrive. In fact... I'm looking for a bigger fan. Caveat <laughs> that, I'm looking at how to get an AC. I just can't afford it. Girl, an AC is actually what you need. I feel like fans don't even really, like, they don't work in this country. Because it's just blowing, circulating hot air. Except you have a place in your house where it's quite, like, warm. Uh, sorry, yeah. where it's quite cool. Because for me, um, all the, the way my flat is set up, all the light falls the sunlight falls right into my room Mm. and then when it's like 25 degrees and up it gets boiling in my bedroom Mm. but then my living room is so cool and especially like going down the stairs where there's no like lights it's it's so cool so i feel like the fan works for me in my living room not in my bedroom i mean i'll still put it on but even these days like i've been sleeping without it and Still sweating, but hey, like... See, me, I can't deal with that. That is why my blinds are forever down, because in the mornings, the sunlight comes in. But I've noticed that with my blinds down, my room feels cooler than if it was... For sure. ...up. So I I like that. I like the fact that I'm not waking up in a pool of sweat. That is good. And I think the Lord knows that I would despise that, so he's very (laughs) kind to me in this way. I feel you. Hey. What are you gonna do? I'm just happy the sun is actually out. As a fire sign, I feel very connected to the <laughs> elements. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Like when the sun is out, I feel charged. Like I've been walking back from the gym, 25, 30 minute walk. Me, I don't usually do this. Like I know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mommy and I will go out, and then for me, we like so impromptu like let's walk somewhere for like 30 minutes like no yeah. i mean i can do that i enjoy a good walk but not like on a day i've planned to go out <laughs> but like yeah that just tells you like how excited i am about the sun being out because i just want to be outside walking soaking up the energy like yeah it's felt really good life feels 
not as gloomy when it's bright outside so we have to gear up for the winter months and enjoy the sun while it's here is what i've been Fair doing enough. Ooh. anyway my winter wardrobe i've added a bit more pops of color now so Ooh. i would be like a rainbow in winter and i love that for me not all the time doom and gloom so i'm excited That's a great for that. idea. that is an amazing idea instead of like always being dressed in black and gray and like all the daughters where exactly. did you buy your stuff from is it mango no so funny enough I am an advocate for TK Maxx just because you get really good gems. TK Maxx is so good. But I get, get overwhelmed really whenever I go in there. Oh, same. Same. <laughs> and honestly, when I'm in TK Maxx, the only thing I'm looking at is knitwear because I love fall and winter. I've I've not said this on this podcast, but as you are aware, I love fall and winter. I think those are my favorite seasons ever. Yes. Um yeah so i'm always looking at what they have in knitwear for me so i'm yeah. always finding stuff there but yeah even in summertime i'm always shopping winter wears it's like oh this could work in the winter when it's a little bit chilly i yeah. guess that's just the like adverse effects of living in a city or in a country like the united <clears throat> kingdom when it's, it's always like, cold yeah perpetually <laughs> perpetually and then it'll be hot for like two months and then this mm-hmm. year we've had it hot for just a couple of weeks unfortunately but yeah i was asking because i feel like sometimes um except you shop in like boutique stores or like on online it can be quite difficult to find especially outerwear like coats mm. and stuff like that like in fun colors yeah but i know mango is quite good which is why i was wondering if it was mango but i have another thing another place added to my listener <laughs> Nah, it's really good. To be fair, I have gotten I have gotten some colorful coats off of Mango. So I have like a blue faux fur short coat that I wear for like formal events or whatever. Um, it's a deep navy, but I like it. It's like nice. It's sweet. In yeah. A way. I have another one that makes me feel like not Elmo, but Big Bird from Sesame Street. <laughs> it's brown. That's so the when vibe. I wear it, you actually have really good coats. You do have really good coats. I feel like I I'm bringing out my inner Big Bird when I'm in it because it's like super <laughs> fluffy, and I'm like, yeah, this is it. That's the energy that you need in honestly the gloomy UK winter months. So you need I a Big Bird on the streets. Second, that you do with I the need yellow to umbrella. Feel like you need to feel that energy as well honestly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so delving a bit more into the topic of the day we want to discuss like the process of finding your identity but yeah. it's gonna also be like on a journey of from like school because as nigerian women who grew up in nigeria a lot of our childhood experience was what's the word i'm looking for what's that word nigerian focus is that it (laughs) oh sorry i was going to say that it was very like focused around education like that was a focal thing that was a word i was looking for it didn't come to mind hey life goes on but yeah it's very focused around school and I remember for me personally although I moved around a lot as a child that was the first time that I was not around anyone kind of like supervising me obviously like the like when we went off to secondary school is what I mean in in just Mm. one year seven both in secondary school in Nigeria Fumbi and I both went to boarding school from year seven to year 12 yeah so literally for six years and then moved to the UK and went to boarding school, boarding school again. again so <laughs> talking about identity I feel like that's such a great place to start because that was the first time 
that I ever felt free to kind of do what I wanted to do. Although there were like um, matrons and um, housemistress and teachers and all that kind of stuff, like those people were not my family. So it didn't strike the same sort of nerve as it did as like your mom asking you to do something and stuff like that. And from being knows me, I've always been a rule breaker. So it was easier for me to just do whatever I wanted. <laughs> at that time i wasn't like i wasn't bad though i wasn't bad but i didn't really follow the rules i don't think i did (laughs) neither did i it's so funny because first of all people i think in secondary school is like i found be such a goody two shoes but from gs1 i had contraband i literally had contraband from year seven i had food i had snacks i had a whole bag like i had a whole you need to eat no but the rule said no chocolates, no sweets, no Oreos, none of that. And who comes rocking with a rucksack of Oreos, chocolates? I did. You see, I only started bringing like food in like late, like much later on, like mm. much later on. I remember the first thing I ever brought was Indomie, and that was in like year nine. Mm. I only brought food in like year nine extension time because then it was easier. There weren't as many people, and also in year twelve, in SS three, when we had exams. So bad when it comes to snacks. Like I actually make anything a snack. Like I can't eat anything literally. Like especially at that time as well. Like to be fair, it was exams. GCSEs felt like the end of the world. I needed for moral support. (sighs) Dead ass. But yeah, no, that was the first time I was like free to to do what I want and also in your adolescence your body maturing your mind maturing although I would say the mind maturing probably came more after that time (laughs) but yeah I feel like it taught us a lot of life skills Mm. about like managing yourself how to manage your emotions friendships all that kind of stuff like you didn't always have your sister to call your brother's call your parents yeah. to call and ask them oh this person did this to me or something like that so it was like although you'd still have that support with your friends it's time to like forge our own path in a way still very 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 sheltered like yes. we went home every six to seven weeks five to yeah. seven weeks so it wasn't crazy but yeah having that time figuring out how to like take care of yourself wash your clothes keep clean mm-hmm. you know lay your sleep, bed play your bed how to read when to read when, when to, to play read, making the most of your study times your free yeah. time yeah yeah that even like building character as well in secondary school there's yeah. some there's some moments i remember having like i have flashback memories of moments when i was like for me this is such poor character <laughs> and it's so seared in my memory that today, when I think about you still it, remember? A, oh, I still remember there was a time I, I think I fought with a friend. I might have slapped her or something. Uh-oh. And to this day, I was just like, no, never again. I have no <laughs> rights to speak rudely no to a friend. <laughs> speak rudely to a friend, to slap a friend. I even think the friend slapped me back or something. Uh-oh. I never heard I, about this. Of course, because I went to apologize. I remember when that thing happened. <laughs> I was just like, this is such poor character. This is not who you are. I think from jump, I've just been like, "Uh uh-uh, we're better. (laughs) Yeah. Do better type of thing. I'm like a really good, like, internal compass to be like, no, like, we can actually do better than this. We can do better. If you've wronged a friend, I I remember going back to apologize to the friend in question. But that is something that's so deeply seared within me that that memory is at the back of my mind. So whenever I want to lash out at somebody or 
do anything. Yeah. The, that memory comes back to mind. And I think mm-hmm. it simmers down my anger or my baser instincts to want to do something that I know for sure is yeah. a poor choice in that moment. Yeah. And then again, with poor choices, the biggest thing probably, well, one of the biggest things that we were also dealing with would definitely be peer pressure. And mm-hmm. that's not even necessarily in the form of like drugs or like anything crazy like we're in Nigeria. Yeah. In secondary school. <laughs> so drugs we <laughs> did not have um, access to those things at yeah. that time. Or even boys and all that kind of stuff. So we're in an all-girls school. Yeah. But I feel like, more to do with the way you conduct yourself mm-hmm. and like who you choose to be your friends if people are like being rude to teachers or like just have a certain lack of regard or like yeah choosing yeah. like how you want to present yourself what matters to you do I want to be a rude person do I want to be like punctual just like random things it wasn't even really like a conscious thing at that time but being in that experience forces you to make those choices whether you know you're doing that like consciously or not organization as well is like a huge thing turning assignments on time things like that I guess yeah yeah all of that kind of got expanded a lot more when we moved away from Nigeria Mm. And that was like, well, for me, I didn't move away from my parents completely, as is a story for a lot of people, because my mom lives in England. So I was essentially moving from Nigeria, moving to live with my mom, which (laughs) my dad was like very, because I live with my dad in Nigeria, and he was very liberal. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I actually had more freedom then. Like, I had to fight for my freedom when I got to the UK, which I then realized everyone else was doing, like, trying to convince your parents to go out when it was half term and all this kind of, like, I then started having to, uh, like, 17, 15, 17 years old. So, yeah, moving away from Nigeria, that began to question my identity. Mm-hmm. Because being in secondary school, you, especially being in a boarding school, it was like, like this is it felt so much like this is my life these are the people I know and we were there for six years bro at that time that six years felt like an never-ending like type of thing every single year whether in year eight year nine year ten it like kept feeling like this is so far in the future it's so far (laughs) in the future it's so far in the future and like my identity or like what people thought of me or what I was known as or known to be in the hostel or like known to be a social person or known to be a smart person book wise whatever like them moving away from do you get like <laughs> moving away from that was now like okay so who are you when mm. all these people aren't there to reinforce that narrative yeah and like when you're around a completely new set of people I moved to the UK I moved to North Yorkshire being around mostly European white people like completely drastic culture change culture shock and that was when I was like okay what is going on here literally no I feel that I I didn't see questioned Oh, I feel that. I moved <laughs> to the West Midlands. I was in a little town in Worcestershire. Now, <laughs> before, I couldn't even pronounce Worcestershire. We were just like, was it Worcester? Worcestershire? 
all of, all of the things, and then we then found out oh, it's Worcestershire or Worcestershire. Isn't it Worcestershire? Like Worcestershire. Worcestershire. It's an R. So it's an R, but like it depends on how you pronounce it. Some people say Worcester. Some people say Worcester. That's and so interesting. It's so funny because there's a college in Oxford called Worcester College. Oh. Yeah. So it's so funny. It's Almost you say pronunciations. You don't even. Yeah. You think you're saying something right, and then like that's not how to say. It. No. It's you would just not think of that. Yeah. I'm even trying to think of like what's something else, but like yeah, what's to share? Even the many C's and the S's, like like even yeah. Leicester. Before I was Leicester. Yeah. Leicester. I always always like Leicester. 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 or Leicester Leicester. or something like that or Leicester something like that it was so weird and then you you know get the lingo I think for me in my first few weeks at um, my new boarding school right it was like one similar to yours it was predominantly white but it was also very international so my house was a sixth form house and in the sixth form house you had people who had been at the school since pre-prep prep who joined that yeah. house but predominantly most of the people in our house were internationals so it was people from all over the world whether they're coming from hong kong china the middle east eastern european or america yeah. coming in and it was also the only co-educational house in the whole school Ooh. so it was like we had our own mini community it was even outside of the Aww. main school grounds so okay for me it was like okay this isn't bad But it was, like, my first time in a space that was, like, so diverse. In fact, when my mommy and my cousin dropped me off, I was too shy to say goodbye. My mommy was like, won't you hug me? (laughs) And me, I was like, can you just go? Like, (gasps) I don't want to look. You don't want to look like I didn't want to look like a mommy's girl or immature, you know? I was just like... I I just didn't know how it felt. How to present you. Yes, and my mom was like... (laughs) I should have given her a hug. Like, what was that? Like, now I, you know. <laughs> I was like, I could have just given her a hug. Like, it's fine. But yeah. the first few weeks, I remember I was told I had to do IELTS, right? Which is like, oh, international English testing, whatever. Yeah. And I remember saying to my tutor, IELTS, yes. I was like, I don't have to do that. I come yeah. from a predominantly English speaking country. English as a first language. I did English I did as a first like. language in my IGCSE. <laughs> I'm speaking to you in perfect English. In perfect English. <laughs> my pronunciation is immaculate, if I do say so myself. Yeah. What is the school that recommended that? The school recommended that. And I think because I had like I was Nigerian, or not I was, I am Nigerian. My passport is still yeah. very much green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because I was a Nigerian student, or I yeah, at the time, I yeah. was a Nigerian student who had just moved in and for university applications they required required that you had IELTS at the time um I had mm-hmm. to do it but I was deeply offended I remember calling yeah. my mother and saying how dare they yeah like I was like how dare they like that's really interesting it doesn't you know? make any sense I did understand in the sense of like there were students who came in from China and other yeah. bits of the world that their English wasn't as great so if like yeah English is your second language then it made sense why they had to take the IELTS. But I'm like, yeah, I speak perfect you know, English. I feel like what's interesting about it is not even necessarily the fact that it was recommended. But then if it's recommended, isn't it then your choice to decide whether to do that or not? Because like, as far as I know, when I remember people doing was either for people who were trying to go to Canada mm-hmm. or yeah, I mean, 
I don't really remember. To be fair, this is a long time ago, so like I might literally be wrong. But yeah, I find that quite interesting, especially if, like, sometimes they'd even like get you to take like a smaller test of English, yeah. and then if you pass that, it might not be necessary for you to do it to prove that yeah, like I actually, you know, like. I but passes. yeah, I find that really interesting. Like people being surprised that like you'd speak English, but I guess it's not common knowledge that in a lot of colonized countries, like you end up with the colonialist language. So yeah. Nigerians a lot of us especially if you're educated you speak perfect english like if you're from cameroon or the ivory coast like you speak perfect french French. like it's not such a wild thing to us we know by guests to people who aren't as familiar maybe then they also don't know that we also for we were forced to learn french from primary school up onto secondary (laughs) school as well so it's just like well, me, I enjoyed French towards the end of like I my education. Enjoyed so French. I picked it up. It's a language I wish I could speak perfectly fluently, but I don't. I can, yeah. I can make my way through somehow. Yeah, um, somehow. <laughs> but yeah, no. I think for me, that moment just felt like a gross injustice. I was just like, how dare you? Don't you yeah. know who I am? Like, I think for me, it was like, <laughs> when we're talking about the whole notion of identity in this, context i was like i know who i am and i speak yeah, perfectly good english i like, don't need that's this actually not me like it was a whole i spent a whole term i had to spend a whole term going to iot's classes to write the damn oh, exam no. in december and i passed i left that thing with an eight i said thank you very much <laughs> an eight is almost perfect like i think the highest yeah. was a nine or something Fair and i got is. an eight and i was just like et voila <laughs> Can you I mean, I say like, of, I mean, I say well done, but like, of course, like, you get like, <laughs> it was once literally I, I could not have. I was so glad to be done with it when yeah. I wrote that exam. It was like November time I wrote the exam, and I was just like, golly. I'm still kind of surprised, especially with your IGCSE as like English as a first language. Do you get like you've literally done that? You pass, you got a good grade, so like, should that not be? That should Excuse be more me. than enough. But at least Proof now enough, I know yeah. that a lot of universities have kind of waived that particular English test for students from Nigeria yeah. specifically or anyone who comes from a predominantly English-speaking country or yeah. where English is the official language. Yeah. Um, for the most part, oh, you've done like IGCSE English. It's been waived off now, so you don't necessarily have yeah. to do IELTS. Other international students have to. And I was like, thank goodness. Because yeah. for me, I was like, that is a gross in- injustice. I speak perfectly good that. English. It's not here. It's just because I've come to Worcestershire. Be said, please don't insult me. That's, that's mean... actually not who I am. Like <laughs> that is not. Do you know who I am? I love that. That's literally. But no, like literally facts. I'm slightly jealous of your experience of like moving and meeting a lot of people. Like multiculturally, like in my school, it was literally all white people, and then the minorities. There was like like there were so few of us that you knew us like yeah. when you saw it like I'm talking because my school was a grammar school so we had people from year seven yeah it was a whole secondary school and then the sixth form year um 12 and 13 were like in a separate block but like yeah like through the whole school we couldn't have been more than 30 or 20 yeah. even yeah Fair like enough. we knew ourselves to be fair it <laughs> was very much the ourselves. same it yeah. was very much the same for me like if i was to think of like students who are black not not yeah black in general whether 
African or Caribbean or whatever. It was very, very limited. Like when I was there, I think yeah. there were two there were two black boys in upper okay. six in my house. I can't speak for the rest of the school overall, but I didn't see that many of them. You yeah. had like you had obviously kids who were mixed race or biracial, not mixed race, yeah. biracial. That's the more political school correct term. Um you had more biracial kids of like, okay, African ascent or Caribbean ascent yeah. who were there. But again, for us in my year, I think we're about five or six or seven of us. So you had those of us who had moved over from Nigeria and you had those who had transferred from like other schools in the UK into like our school as yeah. well. But everyone else was, you know, different. Yes, it was very yeah. international, people from different bits of the world. But I think there's a there's a distinction for when you're like of African heritage. Yeah. Um and it's <laughs> it was quite Yeah. It was quite an interesting thing. Like Talk I remember some of the conversations girl. we would have after school in like house and they'll be asking about like, you know, houses or whatever. I feel like the questions that we got were low like again, moving from Nigeria straight to a predominantly white area. Mm. I that was my first experience of what you can call like racism or even not even like getting to racism just being aware of your race yeah and then being identified by your race like I never felt like obviously I knew I was black but I think in Nigeria I identified myself more as like Yoruba because mm-hmm. it's always people like asking by your name so they'd obviously know Ola, like they know like I'm a Yoruba girl and they would like try and speak Yoruba to me <laughs> like that was how I tried like to get that was the kind of box that I was being put in at that yeah. time it wasn't really a black or white thing because that yeah. there weren't like many white people if any around us at that time so that was my first kind of like introduction to race I had been to the UK before but not just for holidays so it wasn't really in the context where I'd have to socialize with people from here that much to to lead to that kind of conversation that's the first time we get asked questions like about our hair about like how it is in Nigeria people being surprised that we could even speak English and yeah. like having to educate like having to constantly educate and like the discomforts of feeling very singled out in that way yeah I feel like part of the culture shock as well was just like the way friendships um were at that time like I had come from an all-girls been in boarding school for like six years like all of you became like my sisters essentially so when I left (laughs) I mean I just visited this completely new place you know it's um a full boarding school so a lot of them have been sorry not a full boarding school it's a full like all ages school yeah so a lot of them had been there from year seven like they've known themselves and it was super clicky Ooh. yeah oh, it was super clicky like to break all, into like, it your groups and stuff like that and then there were the cool people and the people that are not cool and then the people that are cool will stay in a particular place and then people that are not cool it's not like anybody's telling you that you can't go there, but it's like this kind of like unsaid, mysterious, a separate common room for this person. I was like, girls. Yeah, it was a bit much. Mine was like, <laughs> even when I tried to make friends, and I did make a couple of friends because, you know, you find your way yeah. eventually. But my parents would never let me go to an, on an exact weekend. 
they, because they're like, whose house are you going they, to? And so they're like, they don't want you to go to any some brand or house. They, and I'm just saying the way all of us had to fight for that, uh, 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 what's it called, permission to leave, ridiculous. Two years, uh, absolutely ridiculous. For the two and years of my like, bodying experience, when we left um, SS3, it was such like an emancipative kind of moment. I remember everybody's energy on on our SS3 graduation. It was like ah, oh, and you know a lot of people were traveling to go mm-hmm. to school abroad. So it was very like we're finally free. You know, we're not in like forced to be in secondary school anymore for most of the weeks out of the year. And then I moved and then I was having that kind of experience. It was like, this is not what I expected. This is not what I am, you know, set up for. Do you get like, I just didn't feel like that's the kind of experience I should have been having at that time. Even like parties that would happen on just one Friday and would be like, oh, like I'm going to come back the next day. I won't be asking me questions. So who's doing it? Why do you want to go? And like still saying no, even after, after all those after this, <laughs> I never for once entered the club in the local town. 57 Monkeys. Everybody Babe. would come back on Monday with their stories from 57 Monkeys. The trashy whereas, fucking club. When ah, you didn't even really like care to be there, but I just, the FOMO, do you get The FOMO was... I and just, the reason that you couldn't even go as well, just having it be something that was quite like flimsy like. flimsy my mom was like I, I don't i don't know who ellie's parents are so where would I'm i let you go or some random person i'm just like yeah i know ellie that was an experience. I, I, I take english with her like she's cool I'm like, done. i just want to go me i cook it one day to go to the club for other reasons but um what were those just me mine i it was cute boys they used to take me to Oh my god! Attempts to shoot my shot with all the oh cute boys god. I was having crushes on. Boys, that was also the first time I didn't really feel desired. Let's talk about that. Ooh. Are we gonna <laughs> Let's get talk into about that? Mass. Let's actually fucking go there <sighs> because speaking of identity, mm. I don't want to be vain here, but like I'm beautiful, girl. Yes, I'm beautiful. Like, I feel it, and I know it. So, like, going from being in Nigeria, having like people who are obviously like interested. Obviously, I was a young girl, but like, you know, I was still, you know, not an about. Yeah, <laughs> one or two things: going to the mall, going to <laughs> movies, as you could. The BBM then, chats, like, the group chats. You understand the BBM chats, the group chats, stuff like that. So, just like absolutely no one having any sort of interest that other people would like get in relationships but i just didn't feel desirable i wasn't really desired and then i guess the small desire that i had or the people other black people around me had kind of felt a bit like fetishized or like as something mm. of like excitement or like oh like there's something different you know fun like yeah. it wasn't really the experience of being taken seriously and that was like difficult to put up with for two years so yeah there was that as well that was another that is golly i for me i was i was chubby i i'm still i'm not even i won't call myself chubby now i'm just like i'm not a skinny girl i have a bit of meat on my bones that's who i am um and so it was just like if i compared myself to there's there's no point in comparing myself to other girls to be honest because even some of the black girls who were in my year they were like skinny or tall or you know all of those things they yeah. were like okay fine i get why people will be attracted to you because you kind of fit the bill in some shape or form right but i think we could all sense that whole same notion of like 
not being desirable yeah in the same sense that like our peers would be yeah and for me it's like a huge shift going from an all like a single sex school an all-girls school to now a co-educational school yeah and it's now like okay now finding new bearings of like navigating actually having platonic friendships with the guys in my class yeah and then dealing with like okay i'm i have a crush on this dude that i see every now and then or i take this class with this person or we do this club together or whatever always always knowing that like i was never the target like i was this is me this is my story in sixth form let's say monday (laughs) i had a crush on some dirty blonde haired boy right by (laughs) the next monday 57 monkeys had happened (laughs) that dirty blonde haired boy was has gotten with a blonde haired girl yeah. who happened to be in my English class oh. and was like, I oh, guess who I got with on yeah. Saturday. And now I'm I going out with him. There and just swallow it like the smile. <laughs> the come and ask me, really like. The come and, who do you have a crush on? I'm like, ah. Girl, that was actually not an innocent question. You know what they're asking me that so that they can go and rat you out. No, that was also was... my first experience of like fake friendships. I wasn't really clued in to all this type of thing. In Nigeria is also more of a like very direct culture. Mm-hmm. If somebody didn't like you, you would know. If someone had like a thing against you, you would know. Yeah. Or they just stay away from you. In the UK, people will hate you and be talking to your face and be yanning you like and asking you questions. And then you hear that they're saying something behind your back About... and you're like, it's, I've never experienced something like this. It's <laughs> such a weird. It's so such now, a like, weird people thing. People are not very like direct. Direct. Yeah, at all with their feelings, with anything. Like, if you don't like somebody, you don't have to go up to their face and say, "I don't like you." But like, yeah. like who is holding your shirts? You don't have to like pretend that you do, or like be laughing in the person's face, or then asking people questions just to then slight them. Like, I find that so weird. I actually find that so weird. That's something about like British UK culture that still confused me to this day. Like yeah, a little bit. Just be who you are and stand on that. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. that was very interesting as well. It is. And it's, through the it, process, you would also like kind of figure out how much to say share or not. And not yeah. share. <laughs> Quickly, you know when they say the spirit of wisdom is upon me, that was it. Because I would just go and call some random dude who was in my house who I don't really care for and be like, yeah, that's why I have a question take with that of that what you will and because it was such a huge school the chances and likelihood of everyone knowing everyone is a little bit slimmer because you've got people moving in and out of the school endlessly you know yeah. and joining at different points so if you've been there from pre-prep so from age five up until now 16 17 there's so yeah. many people that have gone in and out that you wouldn't even know and i think about like seven or eight different houses so i'm like yeah there's no way you would know who this dude is um so it it was great to like save myself from all that heartache but (laughs) i did have a crush on a few rugby lads a few atsy dudes and i'm just like yeah this isn't it for me this isn't it for me and i i kept it pushing i blame ah, troy bolton disney i'm finished disney the I thing you've done to finished. me, and all those historical romances I used to read as a teenager. I actually feel you. Screw, <laughs> screw them all, because that was done. not my story. But beyond that, like my experience at boarding school in the UK wasn't all that bad. But that the whole need to like prove yourself, especially in my in my first few months, was a lot. That was a lot, and I 
if I'm yeah. being completely honest, I think it's a little bit exhausting. Like I remember my yeah. first few weeks, they were asking us, because it's lower six, you're thinking about where you're applying. I was like, I want to yeah. apply to Oxford. Like that was that was it for me. I was like, I'm going to yeah. Oxford, nothing else. In fact, I said I was going to see Hughes College because at the Oxbridge time, Amal Cooney, Amal Cooney, <laughs> at the time she was Amal Amaldine, Amaldine before she became Mrs. Clooney. I was like, I wanted to go to the same college that she went to at Oxford, all of that. And I said it to my teacher who was in charge of the Oxbridge Kinney. He looked at me up, down, and then he was like, Racism. Because <sighs> you have the grades for it too. Like I did, you've always been academically confident. I genuinely so I had racism. I had it. <laughs> I absolutely had it. And it was just like my track record, my entire academic history was showing that I was aligned towards going like, to so aligned, the literally. Ivy Leagues, essentially. And you, you, I remember like you'd work so hard and like every like essay or like all the type of things that you always gave like 110. So yeah, I call racism. <laughs> literally no. i proved him wrong Sha. Ah, he was my economics teacher for two years back to back every time in economics who yeah. was doing really well Clear this that. girl period if i didn't know that was how i ended up in my podcasting journey because i would listen to like economics podcasts yeah. from for economics radio which is why i love them so much to yeah. the economist to anything i could get my hands on like i always went the extra mile because i was just like yeah, yeah no like I'm a smart girl. I can find real world examples. I can apply yeah. things into context and you'll be able to see what is, yeah. you know, happening. Oh, I didn't yeah. end up going to the Oxford at the end of the day, but <clears throat> it was like, you know, I could show my metal that like I have the yeah. mental wherewithal and academic resilience to deal with For that sure. kind of environment like, what the if hell? I was to go there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those were the things that honestly, that, I can't speak for other people. Like I have friends who I went to the same boarding school with who had a very, very difficult time with yeah. all of this. Um, but I think it just really, really, for me, built into the point of like, know who you are, know what you want. Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Tell you otherwise. Convince you otherwise, especially. Yes, because there are moments when I wanted to like question that you know like yeah question my ability question my thing but i would always find a way to like just you know prep myself back up my mommy would always be like ah, this one as soon as you got into the school you're already causing a racket as to why you have to be doing IELTS <laughs> like i went to almost every teacher and was like i should not be doing IELTS yeah i should not no, but i feel like that's good like that's where you also develop like the backbone to fight for yourself in situations that you know you should even if you didn't like lead to the result that you wanted like it's always worth yeah. it to do that rather than like sit back and let other people decide for you how your own life is gonna go how it's going to and go that's exactly also something that you didn't have the opportunity to do in nigeria that you know we could now like question authority more here. yes yeah <laughs> oh my goodness literally this is like that was the first moving on something more positive now Yes, that was yes. the first time we had the opportunity to question like power structures mm-hmm. and speaking more on like how our subjects and what we did at school impacted us. I know for you it was more on economics, and that really like boosted your interest in like policy and things like that, which is the journey that you've gone down now. I think for me, doing RE at AS level, I started 
with physics mm-hmm. well i started with math further math economics and physics mm-hmm. and doing physics here all the other subjects kind of felt we were doing topics that we had already done at because we'd done ss3 so we had actually already done year 12 so yeah. a lot of the topics were being like repetitions of things that i had learned especially yeah. in math but physics the kind of questions they were asking is something that i've never thought about before <laughs> like because <laughs> in in our syllabus why ICSE syllabus in nigeria it will be like list three of name um reasons why but like when I moved to the UK, everything was applied. So, like, mm. in physics, they would ask you a question about, like, a random pole, like, somewhere on the road, and how how tall do I think it is? Like, how do you want me to know that? Like, yeah. what the hell? No numbers. <laughs> no formulae. Do you understand? In yeah. secondary school, they would say F equals to MA. They will give you F and M, find A. Like, that was what I was used to doing. Or using like two formulas to find something. I know it might sound a bit crazy because you didn't do physics, yeah. but like things were already like set. It was just about like putting it together to find the answer. But here it was more like applied. That was also a change in the educational system. Mm. But yeah, that was also something that was quite difficult to navigate. I ended up dropping physics, but then that also led me on a journey to Ari, mm-hmm. which was the first time I could now question for me like my beliefs in supernatural like mm. religion god like for me following christianity in the traditional way especially the way that it's done in nigeria never really like clicked for me because mm-hmm. it always felt like i was trying and the narrative then was like that like you can do this or you cannot but like if you don't then it will be like bad for you yeah It'll be bad for you and, like, you'll go to hell. I mean, not like God will love you anymore. Like, God will love you. But, like, like this is not a great way to go, essentially. Yeah. But it wasn't like I didn't want to have a relationship with God. So doing Ari and then questioning, like, religion. Because doing Ari, which is the religious education, was divided into, like, the religious aspect. So, like, Christianity, Buddhism, and then ethics and, like, philosophy, hmm. which then open my mind up to like new possibilities and even to like oh I don't want to jump yeah like it opened my mind up to a lot of possibilities so it's the first time I could kind of question the bible from an objective lens and like learn about another religion as well Buddhism and I had never been able to do that and I don't feel that I would have had like the same journey if I was in the UK so that was like one good thing that came out of that like having the opportunity to see things from like a different lens and even now like it keeps developing into like my curiosity with spirituality and things like that so yeah I would say that's like a good thing freedom that was something that we definitely gained like freedom to be who we are and like construct our own identity not relative to like society or what society was saying that we should do or who we should be especially as women as well like yeah like I felt a lot more freedom and autonomy to decide what I wanted to do how I wanted to live my life oh my nipples pierced (laughs) do you get like all that kind of stuff all that good stuff so no I think I would say that's an aspect I enjoyed freedom I think that's a very, very good thing, to be honest, because even when I think back on it, like maybe my first term, my first term and a bit of my second term at my new school was a bit like shaky, but I found my stride. Like 
I got to do a lot of other things. My school was very much sports heavy. So you it was compulsory yeah. to do like two sports extracurricular and then one academic extracurricular. And me Ooh. at the time, I was more interested in the academics. I was not a very sporty person. <laughs> and I think it's because when I was younger, now that I'm older, that I've gotten a bit more into sports, I find that like I enjoy playing tennis. Um yeah. and all of that. So I started tennis before moving to school in the UK. I started the summer we graduated secondary school. Yeah. And I was like, I actually really enjoy it. Now me being me, when I started tennis, I think tennis would be a good sport for me to learn so that when I have business meetings, I can take them to the tennis court. Facts. That was me at sixteen, seventeen. I feel like that's not wild. You've always been super like ambitious as well. Like <laughs> I was just I'm like, very like specific on the kind of things that I even I wanted to do it. So my whole visualizing the whole nine. The like, whole nine. I was like, I'm not looking to like win Wimbledon. I just want a nice cherry way to have business meetings that is still yeah. sociable and takes the heat <laughs> off. As oh. my mommy was like, say less. <laughs> we went to go and buy myself, buy my tennis racket. Your tennis racket. And the balls. And I started tennis lessons. Um before I moved to the to the UK. And then when I moved to my school, tennis was the first sport I selected in my first term. So you could change your sports per term. So I chose tennis yeah. twice to do it, like twice a week. And nobody wanted to play with me because I sucked. And everybody else had been playing tennis since oh. they were three. And I said, I'm sorry. And they all knew themselves already. They One, they probably all knew themselves, but also they already were very, like, good. So there are people who had been playing tennis since they were three. And they were, some of them were junior professionals. So, like, they play advanced, you get. (laughs) And then there's little old me who's coming off of a summer of, like, tennis with, like, Coach David, you know, coming in and being like, okay, me too. I can play tennis. (laughs) But my my serves went always right. I couldn't keep the rally going. And I could physically see people like rolling their eyes at me. And halfway through the time, I was just like, okay, fine. Literally, I gave up tennis. So for the rest of my time at school, I played squash. And I actually really enjoyed squash. But like, I would always find ways to escape squash too. My my housemaster would always come looking for me and be like, from beat Saturday, you gotta go play squash. It's twelve I wanna PM. give the seventeen year old so, you a hug. But that was a thing that I found. <laughs> that doesn't sound that, like, like a fun I like the introduction to like sports because now I love them. I love. I like the fact that I know how to play tennis. Um, I know how to play squash. Those are games. Yeah. Less less so of like the whole like business between thing. Like it's great to have whatever, but like I play them more yeah. for like leisure and fun and enjoyment. Now. Yeah. Um less so of that overly serious thing like i'm sure there's a time and place for it but that's not the main reason why i enjoy it as much anymore yeah. but i loved my um other activities writing for the school blog volunteering with operation christmas child and a whole host of other things i can't remember that i did while i was there um yeah but i liked the fact that it allowed me explore different aspects of myself my first introduction to being on stage physically on stage working behind the scenes and being part of an ensemble cast of a musical was at school um yeah so i learned how to do like backstage makeup for like stage plays how to make people look older all those different things i did that as well i i thought it was brilliant like i didn't have to learn all those things you know at school in nigeria but now i can learn that you know i was saying to my mom recently like one of my biggest griefs about 
the school, the boarding school into Nigeria is that I wish they actually took the investments that they claimed to have made in our extracurriculars very seriously. Because before I moved to that board, the boarding school we both went to, I was learning how to play the piano and guitar in primary school. I got to our all-girls school and <laughs> for six years no lessons whatsoever yeah i was part of the choir so we could i can claim to be classically trained and we went to muzon center hello. and we went to muzon and we and performed won. hello so, yes so classically <laughs> i've been classically trained as yeah. a chorister or as a singer based off of that period but in terms of like my dexterity when it comes to playing the piano or guitar yeah, yeah. it's zero yeah. to none just because <laughs> that was not continued and when i remember yeah. like moving over it made me feel slightly inadequate because you now are in school with people Aww. who like play people have been doing that yeah been doing it for a while they're playing the piano they're playing drums a balance as well with academics they're studying and, like, music they're writing yeah. their own scores and you're just like wow yeah you know and so now it's like wow these are things that you can I do could, i can do you know um but yeah. nonetheless i think it did open my eyes into like a lot more not to say that i wasn't accomplished before getting to the uk i was yeah. in my own right but it was just more an understanding of like there was so much more yeah and the opportunity to get involved with that as well yes like, was quite comfortably like on school grounds yeah like, that was brilliant yeah. that was yeah. really brilliant so shout out yeah. to my parents or our parents for letting us go to honestly shout out to schools. your parents both <laughs> our parents for picking good schools like picking really good schools yeah another thing yeah i feel like being in the uk we're respected as human beings like even as young people mm. i don't feel like i had the same amount of respect and even now if I were to like go to Lagos for holiday or whatever, I feel like that would be a culture shock, like the other way around, because like I'm so used to being granted dignity of person. Yes. <laughs> In the UK, whereas in Nigeria, if you're a young person, like people don't tend to take you as seriously. So yeah, that was nice. And me, like I love autonomy, even from like year seven, very like interesting. Always had like a very like independence autonomous thing so it's like i liked being respected as someone who could like make certain decisions for themselves um and not everyone trying to like do things or like decide for you like people would actually like ask you things like you get like given things it's like oh for me (laughs) amazing like literally oh my god so yeah that was that was fun no i think that was really that's something that I really enjoyed as well, just to see like to even be able to walk in to go chat with your with your teacher. Like honestly, that economics teacher that I was talking about that was giving me grief about going to Oxford, he became my bestie <laughs> by the end of my my two Fair years, enough. you know, and he was so wrong. Proved him wrong. I'm pretty sure I was probably one of his favorite students because I even went to my I went to my sixth form last year. And I literally spent like a good 20 minutes in his office just having Aww. a nice little chat with him yeah, while I was remember. there. Yeah, I remember. I went to talk to the students. Yeah, I had, a, I had a little... Encourage them a little bit. Tell them to be yes, audacious sir. with their lives. Um, <laughs> and it was really good to like just go around the old ground, see some old teachers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like I was able to build like a relationship with some of my teachers while I was at school, you know. And yeah, it was great. And I had some phenomenal phenomenal teachers like 
Yeah. Part of who I am as a person now is because of the teachers I I have met yeah. throughout my educational journey. Yeah. Um, who like provoked me to think and want me yeah. to think outside of the box. So that's very true. As he was, there's thing. a lot more like respect afforded to you, and also openness with the kind of conversations and like topic of conversations that you'd have. Yeah, it was also like giving you the platform to speak your mind and challenge your thoughts, like as a young person. I have you like think where nobody not many teachers really did that in secondary school it was more kind of like talking at you or like advising you because in Nigeria the thought is that like somebody that's older is wiser or has yeah. like more experience or knows more but it's like we have different perspectives we've also grown up in different times so having that kind of courtesy and respect also being extended to you to hear your opinions and like actually take you seriously was a great it's very learning opportunity as well yeah very refreshing nice I, I didn't even have a positive <laughs> one from when we were both in school in nigeria i had a teacher he used to teach civic education and government and politics because i was in the art class so in nigeria we have like I think I know science yeah and I would remember, like, now this guy was, like, you know, senior academic staff, um, worked with school administration, et cetera, et cetera. But there'll be times, like, during my breaks, I remember just sitting, we'll be standing outside and we'll be talking Nigerian politics and Nigerian yeah. economics. And he'll give me his perspective, but he would always allow me speak as well. Yeah. And it was, like, and we started doing this having this conversation before I got to senior school, so like GS3, year nine, around year nine, we'll be having this discussion. And I remember him saying to my mother once, like, she let Fumbi go into the art class, not science. She would make science. a very good lawyer or politics kind of person. Yeah. And that's actually how I made my decision to go to art class because I was good <laughs> at science. But I found yeah. that like, with my conversations with him, I absolutely loved debating politics. I loved learning yeah. about like, you know, the world, um, the things around us questioning. I was like, uh uh-uh. no now. This yeah. is this is sweet. I like this. Yeah. And so, you know, that led me to choose led me to choose to go to like the social sciences from like year year nine into year yeah. twelve when we left. Um yeah. and it was great. So he was the only teacher in, I think, in Nigeria that kind of gave me that space. Yes, the respectability politics of being in Nigeria did come into play, but I did feel safe enough to, like, air my opinion and then share, yeah. share a bit more. To be fair, I feel like now I'm judging a bit harshly because there definitely were those teachers, but I feel like more when it came to, like, serious topics. Mm. Like, Nigeria as a whole is not a question, is not a country where authority or the norm is really questioned. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not just teachers, just the, the culture of the country in and of itself. But here was like, well, you can actually have opinions about things that weren't really as welcome yeah. prior. But yeah, yeah, that's what that, I would say. That's, that's so I'm actually true. Myself. That's I'm correct myself because <laughs> now that I think back, this is what I'm saying. Like I did so many things that I don't remember. So now that you've actually said that, I'm like, hmm, we actually could be quite like playful, or, like air out stuff. But I think it was more with the the teachers that you felt safe to do that with, yeah, or who'd ha- had built that relationship with, which is also fair enough. So, yeah, yeah. But I would agree that in 
the UK, there is a lot more freedom for young people to Facts. express themselves yeah. a bit more. Yeah. Even when I was part of like the school monitors or school prefects, right here in England, yeah. um, I found that like when we ever, whenever we had school prefect meetings or even house prefect meetings, um, they really wanted to know because they were like, "Yeah, you're the leadership role, like you're the leadership yeah. committee with the rest of the school." So we trust you to understand what yeah. the student body needs. So it's like yeah. me working with my housemaster, me working with school administration to make things happen, to make students happy or like share those thoughts. And I wasn't even head boy or head girl. So head boy and head girl had a bit more like leeway. But as a school monitor, like we could all work together to do that. Or as house monitor, work together to do that. And it's just like, yeah, I think about the things we accomplished and I'm just like, ha now I'm easy. yeah but yeah it's it's really it's really something yeah before we close out the episode is there anything else you'd like to say we're gonna have another part two which is discussing identity more in the context of post secondary school more the uni experience yeah. and then actually like as an adult being in your 20s yeah. Um, yeah but is there anything you'd like to say for me before we close out the episode i think the last thing i would say on this is were there times when i questioned my identity and who i was when i first moved to england most definitely i think there were moments when i wanted to sort of conform a little bit more i felt a bit like shy about certain things yeah Um, but i think over time i you know got a little bit more comfortable in being myself there are sometimes like when i look back i wish i was a little bit more you know bolder and you know more of who i am but again that's me as a 17 18 19 year old who didn't really yeah know as much um yeah but nonetheless like i did there's a there's a question we had at secondary school and it was like who am I right that question that yeah. we always had to ask ourselves um and I think that from our proprietress from our proprietress our founder our good old founder <laughs> I think that's a question that grounded me in that time and I still would say it still grounds me now yeah to an extent um yeah yeah like all of those experiences have contributed to the person I am today so there's some things if I could go back to do better, I could. But, you know, life is never about going back. It's going forward. And <laughs> I'm I'm quite pleased with some of the results and we can only get better from here. Yeah. You? I actually don't have any. I feel like, yeah, I completely agree with you. I don't know. When I look back on my secondary school journey, I feel like I was just living life. Mm. I wasn't really... I don't want to miss Yan because I also don't fully remember. Yeah, that's fair. I would say that, like, being in secondary school was a really trying experience for me because a lot of the parts of my identity, especially socially, that I really identified with, being social, knowing a lot of people, that completely changed when I got to sixth form. Like, I would definitely say I went into a lot more of like a shell of myself because I didn't mm. feel like I could express myself in the same way like even just speaking like my normal voice would be like people start like oh be like oh why do you pronounce things in that way and I'm like obviously all these things just make you want to like retreat a lot more yeah so I would say that even till now like I'm still recovering from that and like 
that's where a lot of like my shyness has come from I've always been I did even in childhood have like a bit of like shyness but I feel like now being shy and like my worry about how I'm going to be received has stemmed a lot from that time so a lot of the healing of that is literally taking place right now (laughs) so yeah that was something that I definitely found difficult it wasn't really for me a question of if I was going to conform but more just like the discomfort of being in a place where I didn't really feel comfortable to be myself and I remember that I really just I wanted to leave like from from the first Wow. I always used to tell my mom, like, I want to go, like, I want to leave the space. But even in secondary school, like, I always said that as well, like, I don't want to be here. Like, I literally, mm. I, I don't. So, yeah, that was a lot of my experience. I wanted to say before that I didn't really feel like I was living with a lot of, like, personal intention at that point. Mm. Because the biggest thing was education, education. Yeah. Like, that was all that kept, like, getting hammered. At that time, I didn't uh, like my my both my parents are religious, but like I didn't come from a like mega religious like Nigerian in the sense like super religious household. So like my relationship with God and things of that nature were more personal to me and like what mm. I wanted. So I didn't really feel like the pressure to do or be anything in that sense. It was more me finding my feet on that journey for myself especially with that being the first time that I had the opportunity Mm. to do that and actually answer those questions honestly Mm. and without judgment for myself but yeah education was like the most focal thing aside from that I don't really think there was anything else at that point that I was like really like oh I wonder how maybe boys (laughs) yeah because like I, I was a young girl having crushes yeah aside from like school there wasn't really anything that was like striving to achieve or to Mm. like and like being good at math because i love doing math and like math competitions yes ma'am just living life being a young girl aside from that yeah that was that was i feel like that was i was kind of thinking of at that time yeah and on that note i'm just wondering if there's anything else i wanted to say I feel like if there is, then we'll discuss it in the second episode. In the second but yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. That was that was my journey of just like journey dealing so with something new. Yeah, dealing with something new and and finding your feet through that. But yeah, that was like it's still in development up until now. So I yeah. wouldn't say it was kind of like at that time I was thinking of like my identity in that way. But Mm-mm. I think it's hindsight. Still fed into the journey. Yeah, it's hindsight. Hindsight makes still us fed into that. the journey. Yeah. I'm definitely a lot more like intentional about that right now because we've moved away from school into like work and then not having work be the main focal thing other things have also like risen in importance or not even just importance like focus on like friendships being more intentional about their relationships um romantic relationships relationships with your family your spiritual beliefs your hobbies all of these things have like come to the forefront especially levels of like importance now along with identity so i feel like now is the time we're a lot more intentional about these questions and about the way that we're living our lives but we will delve a lot more deeply into that topic on the next episode and also talk about the ways living in the uk since um secondary school has impacted that journey so yeah join us next time 
on that note we'll see you next week see you next week <laughs> thank guys. you so much for spending an hour with us we hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll see you on the next one and please remember Bye. to rate review subscribe yeah. And share this pod wherever you get your podcast and with whoever you want to. To the good stuff. Bye.